The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Leslie Morse, and today we are chatting with Elise Hoffmeister. Elise is an Agile leader, owner of Twixter, and founder of People Journey Circle. As a senior advisor, she helps organizations to explore and reshape future ways of working and ignites a different way of thinking to create new mindsets that unleash business agility. Her passion and dedication to the value of Agile-based organizations drives her ambition to inspire managers and leaders to work and live from their purpose, unlock the human potential in their organization, and have a key focus on being relevant to the customer. Elise, thank you so much for being with me today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me in your podcast, uh, Leslie. I feel very honored. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a long time coming. We met many, many months ago. Yes. um, And started kind of foraging our relationship. And um, I've, you know, enjoyed the times we've had a chance to to chat and everything. So thanks for making the time. very across many time zones today, because I'm out in Seattle, and you're in, where are you this week? I'm in the Netherlands. In the Netherlands, okay, I didn't know if you were like home or traveling, so. No, 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 today uh, I'm at home. Excellent. To be uh, specific, yeah. <laughs> very nice, yeah. very nice. So we're crossing many time zones today as we chat. <laughs> yes. And that's the nicest uh, things from the new technology, eh? that it's possible and that we can make it possible to chat to each other uh, regardless of time zones and other yeah. things. Yeah, absolutely. Great. And, great. and simulating face-to-face interaction because we've got, while our, our listeners only have audio, we're getting the chance to video chat as we as we record today, which is lovely. Yeah. Yeah, your, your smile really does. It's um, it's a little dreary in Sa- Seattle today, so getting to see it um, brings me sort of a warmth and a joy. So thank you for bringing that today. Oh, thank you. You're <laughs> welcome. Well, it's very funny. Uh, last week I saw a uh, masterclass of Erik Schreider. It's a, a Dutch uh, neuropsychologist. Ooh. And he had a session around uh, the brain and what laughing is doing with your brains. So if you laugh, it's kind of uh, a, present, a present to yourself and to other people. There's happening so much in your brain when you laugh. And when you laugh, it's not only healthy, but it makes you happy. That's, I love that. And it actually reminds me, and, and as we were prepping today, I was telling you a little bit about this new podcast that I'm really inspired by um, called the Boss Babe podcast. And yeah. the very first episode I listened to talked about this idea of something called the bliss list. And she oh. said, um, everyone needs to have their own bliss list. So a list of you know five to seven things that like truly bring you joy and happiness and self-care. And right as you go through your day, try to do one thing off of that list every day. So I listened to this podcast just a couple of days ago. And so I've been brainstorming, like what would be on my bliss list? And there's something about those conversations that you're in with people and you're smiling so much that at the end of it, your cheeks hurt. And I'm like, that's a thing that's on my bliss list, like conversations that that you smile so much your cheeks hurt because it's just such a wonderful pain. 
<laughs> so I think it reminds me of this idea of, of laughter and lightness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was exactly also what he was uh, telling and showing uh, with pictures and movies. And uh, yeah, it was incredible. And what happens is that if someone else is laughing, then you also start to laugh. It's so, contagious. Yeah, yeah, correct. Kind of yeah, like so. yawning, but in a better way. Yeah, in a better way. Yeah, in a better <laughs> way. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Elise, as we think about you know our chat today and something that I've started doing in a lot of the um, conversations for this new Women in Agile podcast series, which mm -hmm. I guess by the time this airs, it might not be so new and people may have figured out the pattern. But I'm really liking to lead with the question of um, how did you find Agile? What started your Agile journey? Yeah, my Agile journey started five years ago. I worked uh, within a financial organization, ING, and we started, uh, it started the, the whole journey with an announcement uh, that we wanted to change the way of working. And I was listening to that and I went to the office because I was a bit excited what was going to happen because change is somewhere in my blood. Uh, uh, it's, it's a bit of a, a, a passion that becomes awake. And I didn't know what was going on or what, what should happen. So all of a sudden um, uh, I was at the office and I talked with some people uh, inside the department, the HR department where I worked at uh, that moment. And um, no, we didn't know a lot about what, what should happen. But after, I think, one week, I was asked uh, to be part of the transformation, to be part of the core team of the transformation. And that, that's where uh, I started in the Agile way of working. But to be honest, I really didn't know what Agile was. I had no clue. <laughs> and I had, we had to find out. And of course, other people knew far more because within the IT organization, they already worked with DevOps teams, they worked with Scrum, they worked in an agile uh, way. And now we wanted to move and to uh, collaborate together with IT and business in the same uh, team. So we created multidisciplinary teams. And we had to figure out what, what that really was and is uh, the agile way of working what kind of methodologies you use, what are the values, the principles of Agile, the change in mindset that is necessary. And we learned it by experimenting. We learned it by failures. A failure. I don't like the word failure because that means that something is going totally wrong, but I like it more to explain like something that you don't achieve yet. Yes, I like and, that framing. Yeah, and you, you learn from that if you want to do uh, something with it and want to improve. And we learned to figure out how we needed to change all our processes because the, you can imagine that all the hiring processes, recruitment, performance, um, and rewarding, all that kind of uh, processes needed to change in the way of working. And you can only change that if you experience the agile way of working and working for yourself in a uh, multidisciplinary team um, uh, in the transformation. So uh, for me, that was really the start and it was a real uh, experiment. Yeah. 
when was there a pivotal moment in that journey early on where you're like yes this is me because right now you identify yourself like as an agile leader i know like you're writing a lot you're starting your own firm, right? You're doing all of these amazing things in this agile space. When was it like that you'd like the light bulb came on or maybe like your blood was fully infected, like that you knew agile's the thing I want to focus on? I think in the beginning, we had a communication session to all the people in the organization and something, what an employee said to in the meeting uh, always, always stays with me. Uh, they said, "If you want us to work in an agile way, why is this? And you want to empower the people right, to uh, take responsibility and to be accountable for what we deliver. Why is this communication and this approach in the transformation so top down? And that's something I always remember in my head." And that was the moment that we started to change our team, the, the setup of our team. So we created a multidisciplinary team with people from the board, from business, from communications, from IT, from HR and from facilities together. And we changed our approach and we changed that in a way that we were not the experts, but we tried to involve all the people and try to create uh, the new organization and the way of working together. So we had a lot of discussions with the people about the culture. What should the culture look like? What kind of behaviors do we want? Um, and, and you can put everything on paper, but you need to bring it alive. Yeah. So you, when, it, I think what I really appreciate yes. about the way you're describing this is that it's you're creating with not yeah. creating four. No. That's and that's, the, a, that's big a real difference. difference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a big difference. In uh, the former days, and when I, I speak for myself, eh, uh, but I was used to be the expert mm-hmm. and to create things, to create programs for the people because we were the experts from HR and we thought that was the best thing to do. Yeah. And there's nothing well, wrong with it. We, we did it. Yeah, and, and traditional organizational design yeah. incentivizes us to become experts. Yeah. So, you know, there's that too. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, and, and being an expert and all the expertise you have is still very important. But it's not up to me that my idea is always the best idea. Mm-hmm. So if you create, want to create new things and you want to uh, create an agile way of working, you do that together with other people and you challenge each other on the ideas you have. And so you come up with a better, probably, idea. Yep. And um, that's a a real uh, change in not only working, but also uh, a change in the way we think. It's a change in mindset. And that's hard because we always have our old habits and when the pressure is high, uh, we easily go back to the, other, the old way of working and the old way of thinking. But uh, when we started uh, uh, in the second, yeah, I think it was the second uh, part of the organization which transformed. So we did, uh, we did it all in part. 
the transformation. In the second uh, team, we had a, a team uh, uh, from people from different departments. And you can imagine they all have uh, different managers. And those managers uh, also want to be included in the transformation. And that's really normal because that's the way uh, we always worked. And all of a sudden, we every day a manager came in and they said, okay, why are you doing this? Or why are you doing that? And probably we need to do it this way. And then we said, yes, but we decided to do it this way. And the team uh, created this and is working on this process. And then we came up uh, with something that we said, okay, we go to a different location. And the location we went to, that was also the department uh, which was involved in that transformation, which was in scope of the transformation. And it was in a different part of the Netherlands. And we also stayed there once in a while. Uh, we slept there. And you can imagine that we uh, started to know each other yeah, much better because we had different conversations along uh, dinners uh, and chats we had uh, outside of working. And that time, that was for me a bit of yeah, the, the, the turning point that I thought, oh, okay, it's not only the way we work together, but it's very important that we know with whom we are working. Yeah. And that we it's trust the way each we are together, yeah. not just work together, but the way we be with yeah. each other. And that, you, and that you can be yourself in the team yeah. and that you trust each other and that it's not uh, a problem that if something's going wrong or in a different way, uh, but that you can discuss that in the team. And we started it, it, to know each other so well that we saw when only by looking in the eyes uh, that somewhere, someone had a diff difficult time. And then we said, okay, maybe you need some time off. So go and we, uh, we go on with the work and in two days you come back uh, when you're feeling better. And, and then we, all of a sudden we got an, an energy that was so different and the flow that, that was so special that that was for me the real turning point. And then I said, okay, it's really working. And this kind of working and this way we, we work together and the change in mindset we had and the things we realize because of that, uh, that's something that I love to tell also to other people and to help them to achieve that. Yeah, and I think the, um, what a gift, right? Because even, even as many, many organizations embark on agile transformation journeys and putting together high-performing teams, there's something about the magic of the people in the moment that create that experience you're talking about, Elise, where yeah. it's, we really have that connection as humans. And that's such a, an experience to relish. And so I really invite everybody just to kind of like pause. And if you're not on a team like that right now, you know, maybe you've been on one and just to kind of think about that um, and savor that feeling um, because sometimes it can be once in a lifetime. Yeah. Um, as much as we do work as, as leaders and as coaches to cultivate environments where that continues to kind of naturally happen. Yeah. 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 
Sure. You talked in, in, in sort of your story you've been telling, one of the early things that you said was talking to people, right, from the all aspects of the organization, right, even like facilities and, and other sorts of things, about the type of culture it was you were looking to create. And talking about culture and the, the idea of culture, and it's a thing that I'm really starting to immerse myself a lot in, um, can very easily become what I think of as corporate propaganda. Just a bunch of words we put in emails or up on a wall, but that, yeah, 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 that's what we say, but it's not what we are. So in your experience, what have you done to make culture more than just words? What have we done to make the culture more than just be words? That's, we, we thought a lot of that. How can we do that? But I think the most powerful thing we did was from the beginning, we organized pizza sessions. Pizza? And pizza sessions. Okay. So like we want yeah. an agile team to be a two pizza team. They shouldn't eat more than two pieces of pizza. I'm curious yeah. how much pizza it takes to feed a team that's working on culture. How, how many pizzas is a culture team? <laughs> I, I think we ordered 60 pizzas, but I'm not sure. <laughs> See, there's the laughter and lightness again. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but it's, it, it is also funny because we didn't know what we could expect. Yeah, and there was there was uh, there were a lot of questions from the people. You can imagine when you make that kind of of, of move in an organization, then um, it's 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 a huge uh, change, mm -hmm. and people are sometimes also a bit scared. And what is exactly going to change? And do I need to change my whole behavior? And can I be myself? still then so what happened is and what you can do if you want to uh, create a culture is organize sessions and we call it pizza sessions and it sounds nice and it was also really fun but we organized uh, those sessions with small uh, teams so yes a lot of people came uh, during the first uh, meeting there were i think uh, well 80 80 people something like that so we had uh, uh, 10 uh, teams and they talked about what was, uh, for instance, what is Agile, but more, okay, if we talk about uh, making each other to be successful, what does that mean for you? And what does it mean for me? And what kind of behavior do we need if we want to achieve that? And we uh, put it all on paper, yes. But we talked really about that because you can imagine that if you ask 10 people, what is uh, curiosity for you or what is hierarchy for you? Then you get 10 different answers. And then we only talk about people in the same country. So if you ask that to people in different countries, you get probably, again, different answers. So it's very important to know that and to understand how people look at behaviors and see behaviors uh, from their cultural perspective. So what you're, what you're describing for me sounds a little bit like, you know, yes, of course, when we've got people globally, there's the different like where I live aspects of culture that are going to influence like when we're having this conversation about success. 
and you know what's uh, creating an environment where I feel like I can be successful might be different than yours. But it also shows up in the interdisciplinary function of teams, right? What feels successful in finance is different than in facilities, is different in development than HR and all of these sort of things. And so it, it feels, what it reminds me of, I guess I should say, is that um, the key thing is to uplift people's it's not even just emotional intelligence, but it's just this cultural awareness because what we want people to get past is this idea of ethnocentrism, that just because your culture is different than mine doesn't mean that you're wrong, that we actually, yeah. while we're different, we are both right. And I'm guessing that through these pizza sessions, it's, some of it was cultivating shared understanding of what those success environments look like for different groups. Is yeah. that true? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you uh, you can imagine that because you you always work from your own perspective. I work from my uh, Dutch culture perspective. Mm -hmm. um, then that's that's the thing. Uh, that's the perspective you create things from. And if you are in a different country. Um, their people have different views and if you don't understand how they see the things then probably you get a, a, a misunderstanding of and course you do that, and yeah, yeah of course but um, uh, you need to be aware of that mm -hmm. and uh, it's very important to, to make the change in for example if you, if you are a big international organization and you want to create agility within your whole organization, organization-wide, um, then you also need to understand that every country has its own uh, specifications and its own differences. So it's not always possible to copy-paste everything from another country. And people also want to create and change things from their own perspective. So it's not they, they don't like uh, to be changed, but they want to be part of the change. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the difference. And what I was thinking of is, um, and what was very helpful for myself, uh, is that I, uh, I read uh, during that time the book of uh, Erin Meyers. He's a professor of INSEAD, and she wrote the book Culture Map. And that gives a real understanding in how people communicate different in different uh, countries, yeah. in the Western countries, in the uh, Asian countries, uh, and also within Europe, and probably also within the Netherlands, we have different uh, cultures. Well, I know that uh, and happens in the States, for sure, yeah, of, right? For different sure. regional cultures. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's she she gives very clear understanding uh, of how you can approach those kind of different those different cultures and how you can um, uh, communicate together and understand better uh, why people act why they do. I think that's a that's a great book recommendation. Kind of, I think for everybody that is a leader in an organization that's really working to amplify agility or actually just like, let's take agile out of it completely. Like any leader that is working to inspire change 
and yeah. more cohesiveness and right, even just a more human working environment. That kind of appreciation and, and understanding is really, really critical. Um, I've got that one sort of in my, you know, I, it's a never ending list of books we discover and want to read. The question is, how do you get a book <laughs> to the top of the list? Um, and so it's just, it's uh, a matter of simply getting through all of them. And that one, that's one that's definitely yeah. on my list. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great book and uh, I have some more uh, great books that I read and that really helped me to understand the, the different cultures, uh, mm -hmm. but also what is agile, what motivates people, for example, Drive from Daniel Pink. Yep. That's, yeah, that's a really great book and we used it always in our uh, boot camps when we trained uh, transformation teams from different countries. Um, and it's interesting how the book Drive has almost become like mandatory reading in the Agile community yeah. and the number of us that have, have read it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. So, um, and what I like about this sort of pivot, you're kind of lobbing me, Elise, perfectly into sort of segueing towards close today because what I love to get curious with um, our guests about is um, what are you doing for your own professional growth? And not just sort of the brain candy kind of professional growth, like, oh, I'm listening to this podcast or I'm, you know, read, I read this book and that's sort of a novel idea. But really when you turn inward and, and working on sort of the next version of who it is you may want to be or what's trying to emerge there, what are you doing on your own journey? What am I doing on my own journey? Well... I think two years ago, I started to uh, create uh, my own purpose. And I was very happy to be part of uh, a team, a group of people who uh, were able to create uh, the purpose. And it's, it's really a bit of a gift, gift if you uh, are able to or allowed to create that and, and are helped by your organization to uh, to create it and from that time on I did things different and I looked uh, or I saw the things different what I was doing uh, sometimes I did things that I thought hmm is it what I want to do uh, not always and but if I want to change it I need to get out of my comfort zone and I made a decision and I changed uh, my job and with the consequence that probably uh, I couldn't go back and that after two years or one or two years uh, my project was finished and yeah, then what are you going to do then? Yeah. Um, but I did it and I had a, a really good time because I learned from all the people in my team, I learned from people in the organization I made failures, of course, and I had the opportunity to uh, meet people outside the organization uh, from communities. And I think, and that's also where we met uh, in, uh, in New York during the Business Agility uh, Conference. And learning from other people what struggles they have, uh, sharing your own struggles, uh, getting new insights, that helped a lot. And on the other hand, that's also part of my purpose is spend more time with my family, mm -hmm. with my boys, with my husband, and also do things that 
that helped me to be uh, to become more mindful. So take the rest, relax, and reflect on the things you do, um, and and uh, have have fun with friends because that helps helps going on. And that's that's the way uh, I learn. I learn a lot from, especially also from from other people. Uh, yeah, and I try to do different things. For example. Uh, setting up my own business that's really a challenge for me and that's really a bit Talk also out of edge. my <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really a bit out of my comfort zone and I learn a lot from that yeah so it's it's learning by doing for me it's also learning of course by studying uh, but the learning by doing is far more um, uh, have has far more impact uh, f- for me personally um, yeah I think that's that's the way uh, that's the way I learn and work on my own uh, performance and yeah. to to improve. Yeah, and I think I, I love that, right? Because even when I was preparing notes for our chat today, one of the first things I wrote down was purpose led and purpose first. Yes. Um, I think that became right hugely important as you were you know, part of that core transformation team, um, right? And and how we as leaders need to show up through change efforts. Um, being very purpose first and purpose led in that, but also in the relationship we have with ourselves, because um, when I think use the word um, want, do I want to do these things? And sometimes like there's this like, ooh, that project sounds really cool. I want to go do that. But as fun and interesting as it may sound, if it's not aligned with what your purpose is or that higher calling that you feel within yourself, it's kind of like, yeah, but to what end? I might do it and I might have fun for a little while, but I don't really feel something versus that I might not really want to do this, but I know that that other thing over there will allow me to be working in alignment yeah. um, with whatever that purpose is. And that is like what you're talking about, pushing you outside of that comfort zone where I think a lot, a lot of the richness and opportunities for new things to emerge starts happening. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel very uh, honored that I could uh, could create my own uh, purpose because it gives direction, mm-hmm. and you can better prioritize. It's not only uh, within organizations. Eh? You, you speak about uh, purpose-driven organizations, and yes, people uh, within the organization they communicate different because they follow a different purpose and all the purposes in the organization from organizational level to department to teams, they are aligned. But if you can align the purpose of the team with your personal purpose, I think then uh, things start to flow and then the energy and the talents will will break free. Yeah, then the real magic happens. Yeah, there the real magic <laughs> happens. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and if that's if that's not the case, and I experiment, experimented that by myself, then you see the other way around. Then mm-hmm. people get sick. Yeah. And that's the power of having a, having a purpose and listen to the purpose and listen to yourself. Be aware yeah. of of what your purpose is. And if it's not your purpose, then don't go there. Yeah. And the courage to say no. And the courage to say no, yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I pulled that one before, uh, for, before our recording today. An email came across my desk, and there wasn't the explicit <laughs> ask to get involved in it, but it was a, hey, do you know what this is? 
And it was, no, I don't know what it is. And no, I will not get involved. So like I did the proactive boundary draw because <laughs> I knew that while yeah. I would be talented and good at doing what that work was, that type of work was not in alignment with my purpose. No. Um, and, and being clear with that and those around you, um, boundaries are not only beneficial for yourself, but they help everyone. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And it doesn't mean that we uh, need to say to everything no, eh? because sometimes you need to do some work um, that's not probably totally fit in your purpose, but when you know that the big part, the big chunk of the work you are doing that's part of your purpose, well, then it's okay. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, there needs, there needs to be a balance. Yeah. Well, Elise, yeah. as we really wrap up, are there any final words of wisdom or final thoughts you want to leave with our listeners? What I think that is very important is don't make the change or if you want to change in your organization or if you want to change uh, your own behaviors because it always starts by yourself, don't make it too complex start small with small steps that's better than looking forward to something big and you can't take the hurdle so start small and it's okay that you don't achieve the first thing but learn from it and improve and help each other because you, we can't do things alone in the future anymore so we need each other so help each other like, I needed to hear, like, I felt like you were speaking to me when you said that. And so there's something so convicted in, um, like, the, the, just the conviction and the um, intensity in such a warm and generous way in those words, Elise, I think is just soul penetrating. Um, and I felt that, and I hope our listeners do too. Um, thank mm, you great. for that gift. It truly is. And thank you for You're being welcome. here and, and chatting with me today. Yeah, thank you, uh, Leslie. It was great meeting you again uh, via the podcast. Yes, yes, great. you're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It's brought to you in partnership with the Women in Agile nonprofit organization, as well as Accenture Solutions IQ. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast. You can go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find additional inspiring podcast conversations. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast, checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.